Uh, yeah, let's get into today's message. I am just, I love Easter. I am not big on traditions. I grew up with lots of traditions. And so you know how like pendulum swings, you kind of do the opposite. I have a pen. Uh, and so uh, Easter is one of those things that I've come to love because of the hope that it brings. Now, uh, I recognize a lot of you. Some of you guys are new to this church as well. Uh, traditionally on Easter, I love talking about the evidence of it, the crucifixion or the resurrection because there's lots of evidence for both. It's actually quite fun. Uh, I love history and, and uh, uh, Roman history. Romans did a really, really good job of writing down their history, generally of their conquest, but they were pretty good at writing everything. And, and the evidence of the resurrection is just so, so cool from from recorded ground shaking at the same time to complete darkness for hours, things that were just confirmed in scripture, confirmed in history. There's lots of evidence, but uh, this week and kind of the weeks leading up to it, as I was thinking about it, uh, I feel like one of the great evidences of Jesus actually being alive is our lives. We are the evidence of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we're not great evidence. <laughs> I mean, like we, we could be honest, the people are so far from perfect and, and we have amazing examples of great leaders who have failed miserably. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And really, really poor demonstrations of who Jesus is. But then we've also had incredible demonstrations of who Jesus is and awesome ones. And again, the greatest evidence of the gospel is actually our transformed life. When we can demonstrate the love and the grace that we've received, uh, we're doing a really good job of proving, not necessarily proving, but demonstrating who God is, his love and his grace and his transformed life. Now, the significance of God's death and resurrection is relationship with us. That's the entire goal of Jesus dying for us and rising again, that we can be connected with him. Now, it's actually really, really hard in human nature to understand or to come to this context that we have a God that actually wants relationship. Now, if you've gone in church long enough, this isn't a new concept. But if we want to like talk about it practically, think about it practically, even outside of, of this faith and religion, the idea of a God who wants connection is just so far-fetched. Uh, generally speaking, when we think of God, the idea of God is appeasing God, right? How do we appease God? How do we make God not angry enough so that he won't, you know, wipe us out with a volcano, right? Or, or, or cause an earthquake. How do, we, how do we make God not smite us? And that's, generally speaking, the goal of humans throughout history. All these different constructs of God have been, how do I not make him angry? And here, God of the Bible, the God of our Jesus Christ that we're talking about this morning, is a story that's a little bit of the opposite. It's not, how do we make God happy? But it's a God who is looking at, how do I restore connection and relationship with the very people I love? Now, that's the story of uh, um, the resurrection. And while there's no physical action we can do, to make us connect with God, God had an answer. He had the action to make that connection. Now, Romans 5, 1 and 2 reads like this. This is Paul writing. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You see, the solution God gave is his son, and the goal was to give us first this, this unearned privilege. Now, in our like 
context, something unearned makes us feel like we're not worthy of it. And it's better to, to, to sorry, undeserved. It's better to look at it as, as, as unearned, right? We didn't earn this, but God freely gives us this privilege. And not only does he give us this privilege, he shares with us his own favor and glory. That's the message of the cross. God made a way not just to appease him, because he wasn't looking to be appeased. Because the truth this morning is, there's nothing you can do that can make God love you any more or any less. That's taken care of. Regardless of the actions that we do, it doesn't change the way God feels for us. And so God shares with us his favor and his glory. It's kind of cool. You see, later on in this chapter, uh, later on in chapter 5, God actually refers to us as friend. Now, in, in, in kind of this North American idea of friend, we kind of use friend to mean lots of different things, right? Like a friend could be an acquaintance. You can be like a really outgoing guy. I'm an outgoing guy. And so it's not, a, not, it's not like surprising if we're at Walmart and four or five, six different people start talking to me, right? Hey, Sam, 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 hey, 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 you know, guy, 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 what's up? Yeah. And, and, and we all, friend, 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 friend. But we know the, the levels of those relationships are different. We have acquaintances. We have friends. We have people that we call friends that we actually don't really like, but we're being polite. You know what I mean? Friends. Now, uh, growing up Italian, we have a different word for friend. We have friend. We even, have, we even call people brother or sister. But then there's one that's specific. It's called paisan. Have you ever heard someone call someone a paisan? Paisan. And it also means friend, but it's deeper than that. It actually means family, a connection. And, and, and when Italians greet a paisan, when we greet a friend, it's this even, you know, I, I'm coming from a guy perspective. We have guys here working in construction, and they can have hands that can grate cheese. Right? And, and they, will, they will come in, and it's, this, it's like right here. They'll put their hand right here, and they'll bring you in, and it's a hug. It's a kiss on the cheek. It's, it's when you're a paisan, you become family. Not just family, like that annoying family that you don't want to do things for, but you have to because they're family. Right? And it's, un, it's not unheard of when a paisan, you know, you bail them out one, two, three times. Like, that's enough. Johnny, I'm done. Right? <laughs> but then the Johnny calls again, and it's like, paisan, my paisan, my goodness. Right? And it's the same thing with Jewish culture. It's the, this word friend is more than just acquaintance. It's actually to bring in, to embrace. And, and so this is the level. So God, not only a God who's not just looking for appeasement, like God, right? Big, like incomparably hard to understand. He does all the work to restore not just relationship and connection so that we can worship him, but he brings us in sharing in his favor and glory. He calls us paisan. Now, most of you guys aren't Italian. I have no idea. But it's a big word. It's a good thing. When, so Easter is the story of God chasing relationship with us. Not the other way around. It doesn't it feel like we view relationship with God as in like we are going after God and we, we stop, we go, we stop, we go. Oh, me and God are on a break right now. We don't say that, but our attitude is kind of like that. But again, the story of Easter is in only one direction. It's God actually coming to us. It's choosing us. us. Relationship is actually God's idea. And it's an invitation for us to walk into. Now, when Cody was here preaching a couple weeks ago, if you guys were here for that, Cody and, and Sydney are, are, are a couple that are, will come work here in July. He preached a couple weeks ago, and he made a really, really good point 
that we tend to become like the people we surround ourselves with, right? And we joke around like as he took on a really funny laugh. I actually take on accents. Uh, um, they're all horrible. They all sound kind of Australian because I grew up... Uh, as my teenager, a really good friend of mine was Australian, and so I would slip into this Aussie accent because I spent a lot of time with him. And, and we become like the, the, the person that we are connected with. Our, we reflect our own relationships, you know what I mean? Like, we become like the group we're surrounding. And, and the best evidence that we have relationship with God is that our lives begin to look different. They begin to look like the person that we are in relationship with. And... and and how does that look practically? Practically, so if you ever like thought, like made statements like this, or thought statements like "This is just the way I am." Get used to it, you know. You know, this is who I am. Love me or leave me. Uh, I can't change. Uh, I'm stuck in a rut. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, "Man, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this life." Where you kind of wake up, eat breakfast, you know, go to work, come home, eat some more, go to bed. Or cycle over and over and over again. And, and a lot of us just work for that one week or two week break where we get to go away and have a vacation. Ooh, something different. And then we're, we're stuck in this, this cycle and this rut. You see, those are indications that, that we need a change. And you see, it feels like people can't change. And people on their own really can't change. A leopard doesn't really change its spots. And, and it's not just me sounding negative. It's, psychology talks about it too, and, and, and human behavior. Change is incredibly difficult. Yet this is the promise of God, that when we are actually in relationship with him, we begin to transform. We begin to change. See, part of this unearned privilege that we have when we're in relationship with God is, is that we begin to have this power to change because we begin to take on the very nature of the relationship that we're in. We begin to take on the very nature of God. You see, Paul describes it like this in Galatians 5. He says, this is the evidence that you're in relationship. And, and, and we're going to read it together. Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You see, the results of relationship with God bring a change. They bring a change naturally. Where, where normally we respond with anger, all of a sudden we begin to respond with kindness. Where we begin to, to respond with frustration, their patience comes out. We begin to make those changes, and they're unique. Because all of us have these different character parts that, that, that need change. Character parts? Is that even a word? But you know what I mean, right? Parts of our character. Thank you. Parts of our character that reflect more our own brokenness or the people around us more than they reflect the God we're actually in relationship with, right? And, and you can be as an incredible believer, go to church every week, yet the thing you can reflect is the opposite of a relationship with God because we tend to reflect relationship with others. Oh, but I gather with all these different believers and yet, you know, I... I I begin to look like them, and it's anger, it's brokenness, it's, it's, we begin to reflect our own lives. Yet the invitation of God is when we come into relationship with Him, He begins to exchange those things with, the Bible uses the word fruit, or, 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 or these tangible evidences. This is what actually makes God real. That once you used to be angry, but now that anger is gone because you have been transformed. 
And part of me really, really wishes you, you were to know me before you know me as Sam here. Because my, part of my testimony is in my late teens, I was angry. I was a fighter. I never, I was super serious. I was, I didn't even want to be around myself. I was sad. I was lonely. I was uh, uh, um, uh, made fun of a lot in high school. I was bullied. And, and, and my life reflected that. And part of my salvation story is when I actually encountered Jesus, the Jesus and the love of Christ, I began to change. Where there was anger, there was laughter. Where there was no patience, there was kindness. The love began to flow, and it was this gradual change. And it's not like effort on my part. It was just a reflection of this relationship that I had with God. And now, if we, we can literally apply this to, to every aspect of our life, begin to imagine what our marriage would look like if we begin to transition some of those attitudes with love, kindness. We get the idea. How about our relationship with our kids? Imagine our work environments. If we actually reflected the very nature of God instead of reflecting our own brokenness. And it's possible because we have this unearned privilege that in relationship we have died to our old selves and we're made brand new. This is the beauty of it. You see, we are no longer defined by what we have done but instead by what Christ has done for us. That's the story of the cross. Where before I was Sam the liar, which was a big thing, I would make up stories all the time, even if I didn't need to, Sam the liar, that's no longer who I am. See, I am Sam, loved by God, paisan of Jesus, you know what I mean? Called in a family, and that lying is no longer my identity, it's just what I've done. It's not who I am. It's a different thinking. I'm no longer Sam the cheater, Sam the, the sad one, the depressed. We, we tend to label ourselves with, by our brokenness. And that's human nature. We're hard on ourselves. And we call ourselves sick, broken, whatever that word may be. Yet that's not how Christ views us. That's part of this unearned privilege. But Sam, you don't know. It's okay. Part of unearning it means you don't earn it. <laughs> It's just how God actually views you. Verse 25 of Galatians 5 says this, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is the journey of relationship, where we used to respond one way, we now begin to respond differently. I used to act this way, now I act this way because of my relationship. Because of my walking with God in this relationship, I am no longer here, I am here. So if we look at it, you can start by saying, through the cross and through God's resurrection, we have been accepted, we belong, we are becoming like Jesus, which, trust me, is way more attractive than like, me, <laughs> or any other real religious leader. Becoming like Jesus, those fruits, man, what a good, I, love, I repeat those a lot because it's an amazing measuring stick. You know, it, it's not about well, how we look on the outside. It, it, it's, it's really our actions. We, our actions demonstrate God. So we, we, we're accepted by Jesus. We become like him, but God has given us even more. You see, when Jesus was talking about his death and resurrection, it wasn't a surprise to him, but he was preparing his disciples for it 
because he knew that it's going to be a huge shock to them. Even though it's been prophesied before, even though they're seeing the signs, it was written before it's going to happen, he was still preparing his disciples. And part of this preparation for his disciples is saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. You're not going to see me physically, but I'm giving you my spirit. His promise is that they would be empowered by the spirit of God living in them. And this is what it says in Acts. So after his resurrection, Acts 1.8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, not only do we demonstrate relationship with God, God has empowered us to make that relationship tangible by his Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus was being baptized, what we witnessed this morning is a baptism, and a demonstration of that is a guy named John the Baptist. Guess what he did? He baptized people. That's why he's called John the Baptist, right? And, and, and as he was baptizing Jesus, he says, I baptize with water, but one is coming after me that baptizes in the Spirit. Now, around that same time, there, uh, we realize that the word baptism of water and baptism of the Spirit are two different words for baptism. And, and we know what those words mean because, again, written around the same time is this excellent recipe for pickling vegetables. And I love it because it's a pickle recipe, right? And it says, you know, you, you, you dip the pickle in water. That's the first baptize. And then you immerse it in the pickling solution. That's the second word, baptize. And if you ever watch the magic school bus, like I grew up watching the magic school bus, and our girls love the magic school bus. And you notice that the cucumber molecules begin to change till it actually transforms into a pickle. So it's no longer, it's not a pickled cucumber, it's a pickle. It transforms. And this is the picture here. So John's saying, look, we're doing this symbolism by water. But Jesus is coming to actually give us this transformation power that as we're immersed in his spirit, we become like him to the point where we're completely transformed. And so then Jesus would say to his disciples, look, after I go and after I give you my spirit, you're going to do even greater things than me. And we're like, Jesus, like that's pretty cool. Yet this is the promise that we would be immersed by his spirit and absolutely transformed. And I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of my life wearing masks. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting to keep up appearances. But you know what's really easy, way easier? It's to actually be transformed by His Spirit. This morning, as we grow in relationship with Him, immersed in His Spirit, the evidence of that is not just our transformed life, but our empowered life. That when we pray, that we would see heaven move. That we would see healing. That we would see deliverances that we would see everything that Jesus died and rose again for on the cross actually active in our lives. There is a power that comes with relationship. And so many times we look at faith and think, how is this even practical for my life? Well, it's practical, practical because as we become like Jesus, we begin to walk in the favor of Jesus, and everything that that touches transforms it. But it's also practical because it has a tangible essence. You see, the faith that's written about in Scripture isn't a faith that's designed to just answer questions we don't know about. Well, what about this? Well, just have faith. That's not what faith is. 
Faith is the empowerment of the tangible evidence that God is alive and real. And out of God's love and wisdom, he chose to use us to do it. So when we demonstrate grace by our actions and by our words, when love flows out of our lives, it transforms people. When we pray and heaven moves and we see (coughs) transformation, when we see wholeness restored, that is evidence of the resurrection. That is evidence that God is alive. And everything starts with relationship. A relationship where God has done all the work to make possible. Yet this is love that he gave each in every one of us, 100% free ability to choose. And so relationship isn't necessarily an action on our part. It's an acceptance. Do we choose relationship? And it's a choice that we need to continually be making. Not in that, it's a, it's a like, it's, I'm not talking about like salvation is easy to lose. But it's a choice to begin to demonstrate and live out what relationship with God actually looks like. God has done everything and he's made it absolutely possible for us to have connection with him, for us to be transformed by him, and for us to be empowered by him. The rest of it is just our choice. And the beauty of this choice is there's a couple guarantees. First, no matter what we choose, we cannot make God love us any more or any less. And to me, that's frustrating. <laughs> but I'm not God. Good thing for you guys. <laughs> Second of all, it's no strings attached, way easier than we think. You see, there's lots in this life that we can't control. It's frustrating. We can't control our spouses. We can't control the people we work with. We can't control our kids. We can't control situations. We can walk out of here. Hey, we've experienced it this week. You can, you can go outside and it can be sunny and warm. This is literally me on Tuesday. I took my jacket off. I brought it back in the house. I drove my kids to school. As I was driving back, it started to snow. What the heck? I got out of the car. The snow turned to hail. It hurt. I'm freezing. I can't control the weather. I can't control the people around me but I can control my response to God's invitation for relationship. See, grace by very definition, we learned this in youth group, grace by very definition is unfair. Human nature likes fair. We like just. We like right and wrong. But grace is completely unfair. So this morning, there's a few messages here. First of all, you're worthy of God's grace. You don't have to earn it. Yeah, it's completely unfair. doesn't matter. God loves you. Second of all, we can be changed. We can transform. This morning, your name is not defined by your wrong action. It's not defined by your guilt or shame or any sin anyone could label on you. That's not who you are. might be what you've done, but that's not who you are. Third of third. We have another baptism that we're all invited to. That's the baptism of the Spirit. So we can live empowered lives. So I want to pray for those things. 
First of all, if you're here or you are in line, uh, online, in line, online, and have never made a decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, the Bible says it's really, really easy. And, and all it takes is believing in Jesus, believing in this message of, of Easter, of, of death and resurrection. Now, there's probably lots of ways to do this. And I don't know them all. Uh, one way I do know, and how we grew up doing it, is we just prayed for it. And so I want to invite you to pray it with me. And so I'm going to ask everyone in here to pray with me. But if it's the first time that you're going to be making this prayer, I invite you to, have, to talk with Katie and I, because there's some great resources that will help you along your journey and your way. And that, I just like connecting with people. So talk to me. Uh, second of all, maybe you are here and you are a believer, but you feel like you're less than. You've lived outside of relationship. You're stuck in this rut. You're stuck in the cycle of life. And we just need a break. I, I just want to pray with you that you would walk in relationship with God. He's made it possible. And third, I just want to pray for all of us that we would be filled with His Spirit. It's more than a one-time event. I read Acts 1.8. It happened again a chapter later. It happened again like two chapters later. And it happens again and again. You see... Uh, um, we're in constant need of being transformed by a spirit. So maybe there's avenues in your life where you recognize anger or lack of self-control, that's mine, right? Or unfaithful, whatever the thing is. And you're like, wow, God, I need your spirit in those areas. I still need to be transformed by you. I, I want to pray for you as well. So let's begin to pray. So if this is your first time, let me know, but I would invite everyone to pray this with me. Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Transform me. Amen. Amen. Welcome. That's awesome. For some of us this morning, Holy Spirit, we just pray for your help. I mean, I think I've spoken this message a hundred times, but none of that matters. God, we need your revelation. Would you make it real in our hearts? Would you make it real in the core of our lives? Holy Spirit, would you show us where we have been reflecting our own brokenness instead of a relationship with you? God, where we feel that we've walked away, where we feel there's distance, Holy Spirit, we just pray for your grace. Pray that your love would be so tangible that we would feel the invitation back into relationship with you. Now, Holy Spirit, we also pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Immerse us in your spirit, Father. In the areas of our, our lives where um, we are still reflecting our own brokenness, Holy Spirit, we invite your spirit in. Would you transform us? I pray that love would grow, that, that kindness and patience and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control and goodness and all the different fruits of your spirit would just grow in our lives, Holy Spirit, as we're immersed in your presence, immersed in your spirit. I thank you for your love because your love is just greater than anything I can even imagine or describe. I thank you for your grace because it's completely unfair and unearned, but God, it's just so good and so freely given. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
This morning, if you need further prayer, I am here and, and would love to pray for you. But this morning, go in the knowledge of a God who's alive, and he's alive in each and every one of us. Amen.